0: Okay. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Psalm 130. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Alex will get you one. We've been going through the Psalms, our series entitled Songs of Life. And I got to tell you, this has been great for me just going through the Psalms again. As I'm going through and I'm reading the Psalms, I'm having to pick out ones that I really want to You know, share with you, and it's hard because I really like, oh, this one's good. Oh, this one's good. Oh, this one's good. And I like, well, I I don't want to go through every one because we'll be here for 150 weeks. And I suppose I could go through more than one a day, but then some of them, you know, say similar things over and over again, but they're important things to be said. And so I'm trying to pull things out that are really impacting me or have impacted my life. But The Psalms have always been kind of my go-to place. I don't know about you, every now and then when life hits you upside the head and you're reeling and you're thinking, oh God, I just need something. The Psalms are usually where I go to, not just because it's in the middle and that's where it opens up, but really it's kind of planned, intentional. This is where I want to go and get something that can refresh me, something that gives me insight. And the Psalms have a way of speaking life Into us. And this one is no different. This is a a powerful psalm, and so let's read it together. Psalm 130, starting at the beginning. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, Who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this psalm this morning, Lord, there are important things for our life. And I pray that we would be able to take hold of those things and make them a reality in our daily living. Lord, I pray that our attention would be given to you and that your spirit's voice would be loud and clear. Lord, that we would leave this place having heard from you and changed because of it. Thank you for an opportunity, Lord, that we have to actually receive from you. And I pray that's exactly what would happen. And I do pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever needed to be someplace but weren't prepared? Maybe it's a wedding and you forgot to get your suit out of the cleaners and now it's too late. And so you have to use the old one where the zipper's broken and you have to use a safety pin I'm not saying that's ever happened and just a clear illustration in my mind some event that you're supposed to be at and you forgot you were late and you had to hurry and your hair wasn't done or or your makeup or whatever it is and so you feel awkward like when you get there you're not quite prepared years ago when Corrine and i were dating and by the way this is our anniversary. We've been married for 29 years now. And you'll see that it's miraculous after I tell you this story that she married me at all. There was an event taking place. It was, I believe, one of my cousins was graduating the bar and there was going to be a a party at his house down in L.A. somewhere. And... I was living in, I don't know if I was living in East LA or Alhambra at the time. We weren't married yet, so it was probably East LA and she was living in Alhambra and I was rushing to pick her up and I was wearing the suit that I wore when I graduated high school like seven years before or something. And it was a little outdated, but it was cool at the time. Uh, I didn't have money for gas. And I didn't really have money. And so what I did is got all the pennies I could. And I gathered all these pennies. I went and picked her up. Now, you would have thought I would have actually put gas in first before I put her through this. It was a test to see if she really loved me or not. (laughs) And so I, I go with all these pennies, and she worked at a grocery store, and I said, I don't have gas, but I have all these pennies. Can we go into your store and have them cash the pennies so we can get gas? And I'm in my brown suit with the big lapels, you know, I, I look like, da, 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 you know, I was just, and she said, no. No. <laughs> We can't do that. I don't want to go into the store. And so I went to this gas station, and there I was with my pennies. And I was putting all these pennies, and my poor girlfriend at the time is there in the car just like, I don't know what she was thinking because I was oblivious at the time. And, And so I just started putting the pennies out there so I could get enough gas so we could go there, I just didn't prepare. I wasn't prepared for this and it was awkward and I felt terrible. I thought she'll never go out with me again, not after today, I should have thought this out better but I didn't, I just wasn't prepared. And that awkward feeling if it's a job interview and they ask you a question or a test and you didn't prepare, you go to this place and you're just not ready. Well here in this Song of Ascent, as they're going to worship in Jerusalem, as they're going to recognize God in their life, there is an awareness of the sin within their own life. There is an awareness of, I'm not really ready to come before The presence of God. And so it's a a penitent psalm. It's one of the beautiful ones that are in scripture. And it's one that is meant to get the seeker's heart in the right place as he's coming to worship. As the journey is taking from these people coming to the place of worship, it is to help them understand and connect to the worship that is going to be taking place and i think the same thing is true for us it is here and it's able to help us maybe get a little bit better prepared to have an encounter with the living god and so the psalmist starts out and it says out of the depths i cry to you lord Lord, hear my voice, let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Out of the depths I cry. It's out of the depths I cry. Out of the depths I wait. We're gonna see it's out of the depths I hope. The idea of depths is this deep part in my life. This place that is being overwhelmed but the the depths isn't just i'm in this dark place of affliction the depths of this affliction has to do with who i am with my sin and so what i need is your mercy what i need is for you to speak to me you see it's important that we understand that as we come before God, a lot of times what's hindering us is us. And I think you've probably been aware of that at different points. I know I have. There's times when maybe you're, you're coming to church and you're coming and you're hoping to have this time and this encounter, but something happens before you get here. If you're married and you have kids, something always happens before you get here, right? It it never goes smooth. If it's the baby, you know, the baby has an accident and the diaper doesn't hold. And now, oh, I got to go back and I got to change. I remember when the twins were young, they used to cry and hate going into the nursery. And so we would give them Actually, it wasn't the nursery, but the young kids. And I remember we gave them some gum to help them just not cry. But still, when they got out, they started crying. And I remember Jordan just crying and screaming. And then all of a sudden, he stopped. And I was like, why did he stop? And all of a sudden, he was the best kid, and he went into the nursery. And then Kareem found out that when he was crying, the gum fell out and was in her hair. And when that happened, he was like, uh-oh, and he just got quiet and went in. I was like, oh, No. But something always happens, and so there she is, and she's like, what's this? And she's like, oh, now there's all this gum in her hair, and, you know, we were just getting ready, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go sing songs to Jesus now. It's like, oh, you know, but you can't do that. It's your hi, yeah, 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 I'm here. You know, and you put on the smile, something happens, and you just feel like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to to sing to God because I want to kill my kid. I'm not ready to sing to God because I'm mad at my husband or wife. Or maybe I'm not ready to come before God because I'm reminded of something in my life that just isn't right. And I need to get it out of the way. And so that's what speaking of here in the depths. That's what he's talking about. And there's a number of psalms that talk about pouring out our hearts to the Lord and in the depths of this place, coming before God. And there's a beautiful example of it in Jonah chapter two. And so if you have your Bible there, turn to Jonah chapter two. And I love the book of Jonah as. We see the prophet of God who has some issues. God calls him to this people. He doesn't want to go. And you guys know the story. He's thrown over. There's this great fish. And he's in the fish three days before he cries out to God. Talk about stubborn. Okay? I would have cried out a lot sooner. Okay, i surrender. But notice the cry of Jonah in chapter 2, starting at verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Notice verse 4. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. You see, in this In place of darkness, Jonah cried out and said, Oh my gosh, I have been banished from your sight. I have been separated from you. Even darker than the condition that he was in was that there was now a gulf between him and his God. And that recognition haunted him. And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord was there. The Lord heard him, and the Lord delivered him. And that's what the Lord is doing here. And what he's desiring to do here through this psalm is he's trying to bring us to this place where now we have a recognition of what God is doing, an understanding that as we're coming here, we're coming in the depths of our affliction, which is caused by us. In the depths, we cry out to the Lord, and He hears us. In the depths, we cry out. Not only does He hear us as we cry for mercy, but then there's this understanding of our condition. And so He says in verse 2, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. God, be merciful to me. You know, it doesn't matter if God is there if He doesn't care. What I need in this time of condition of separation is a God who cares and shows mercy to me. A God who is there for us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's what we need is the ability to come and know that God does care. I asked at the beginning, have you ever had to give forgiveness or have you ever had to ask for forgiveness? And which is easier? It's always nice to be on the side that has the leverage. Well, I can forgive you or not. It's difficult when you have to ask forgiveness. And what's difficult is, what if that person is unwilling to forgive? What, what if you go back to your, your husband and your wife and you say, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for what I've said. It was a mistake. I was wrong. And they say, I don't care. I don't want to forgive you. I don't want to reconcile. I don't want. Then you're in a position, what do you do? You're, you're helpless. But what happens when we come to God with this condition And here we're told that we can come with confidence and find grace in that time of need. In fact, verse 3, it says, Lord, if you kept a record of sin, who could stand? If God, who knows everything about me and who knows me completely, who knows the thoughts, the intents of my heart, who knows the things that you think but you never say, if he kept a record, who could stand? But quickly it turns and it says, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. So God doesn't leave us in a condition of shame. God doesn't leave us in a condition where we have to wallow in the sin. In him there is forgiveness. Who could stand if he kept an account of everything we did? Who who could go and say, I'm okay, I'm fine. And and here's an important thing that we need to understand just about sin, about shame, and about guilt. It's important that we recognize that guilt is a good thing when you've done something wrong it's good to feel bad about it but it's different than shame you see what shame is saying is that you're not deserving of forgiveness shame is saying you're a bad person not you've done something wrong not that you need forgiveness it's that you're unforgivable and you see, shame is really a cause of a lot of problems. A lot of research has developed to find out that people who feel that they cannot obtain, what they do is try and gain control of their life by Addictions, things that I do have control over. Well, I can control the substance and I'll drink and I'll drink because I'm in control of that because my life, I just can't be good enough. This idea of perfectionism, I have to be thin enough. I have to be tall enough. I have to be handsome enough. I have to have a good enough grade level. I have to do all these things right and I can't do it. And because of that frustration of not making it, we find something that we have control over and that becomes our solace. That becomes what we comfort ourselves with. Why? Because I can't do that. Well, what do we do before a God who's perfect? How do we come before a God who's perfect and say, hey, love me. If he were to keep record, I could not stand. But there is forgiveness with you. And now I can come before you and find that grace, find mercy before the God who knows me completely. And this is a a difficult balance that we have. You know, one of the most important things we can teach our children is that they're not the most important thing. That they understand that The world isn't about them, that there is something greater that they need to recognize than themselves. But one of the worst things we can teach our children is that they're not lovable, that there is no way that God can love them. That's horrific. And so we need to have an understanding that there is forgiveness. We need to understand that wherever we are at, there is forgiveness with him. And the reason there is forgiveness, it says there is so that we can with reverence serve you. Now, When I read this idea of serving, does anyone else get this, okay, God wants me to serve him. And I'm like, uh, always anyone asks me to serve them. It kind of like, what are you talking about? I don't have to serve you. I just want to oppose that idea. But you see, this isn't like God saying, hey, get over here and serve me. Go fill up the water and get me a little bit more of this. This isn't that kind of a service. What this is, is the opportunity to journey with. This is the opportunity to be a part of. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the service, is walking in these things that God has created us for. And so there is forgiveness with Him so that we can find mercy to actually come before Him in His presence with reverence and serve Him. That our lives can be of value. So that as I come to this place of worship, I am now one who is able to participate in the worship of God. That I'm actually a part of that. You see. This morning when we were here singing, you were making worship happen. You were giving worth to God, not because he needed you to give worth. You were declaring how worthy he is through the songs that you were singing. You were contributing to the praise of God. You were serving God even as you were singing. You probably didn't think, oh, yeah, I was serving. No, it's just that's what you were created in Christ to do. Your life was created for a purpose, and it was to do these things, to do the good works that God has called you for. And so there is forgiveness so that you can do what you were designed and created to do. And I've got to tell you that the thing that makes the most sense to me about being a follower of Christ is this that there is forgiveness with Him. And, and the reason it makes so much sense to me is because I know me, I know that I need forgiveness, I know my condition. And I know that if it was up to me to be good enough, I couldn't stand. If it was up to me to try and make the grade, I just can't do it. And, and I've never been good at those kinds of things. School and, and paying attention, I was dyslexic and DDA, you know, at the same time. That was a joke, it took me a while to think of it. I just wasn't unable to focus on those things and it's transferred to every area of my life. I'm just not good enough. And when I know something bad is waiting for me, when I know there's judgment there for me, I don't want to go. I'll find every way I can to get out of doing what's going to cause that kind of grief. But there is forgiveness with him. One of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis is, "I," he says, I believe in Jesus the way I believe in the Son, not because I can see it, but because by it I can see everything else. You see, the truth of forgiveness is a necessity in our lives. Even people who don't have faith in Christ, when I have conversation with them and I ask them, so do you... Are you the person you want to be? Do you do everything that you think you should? No one ever says, yeah, I've got it all together. I don't have any problems. And every person I know who is honest and dialoguing with them does not do the things that they know they should do to make themselves a better person. Why is that? That should be a big light bulb in our heads. Why do you know the right thing, but don't do it? And what are you going to do about that in your life? But there is forgiveness with you. The reason we know what we should do is because we are created in His image. The reason we know what we should do is because God's Spirit has put these things within our heart from the foundations the creation itself declares God's glory. The reason we know is because God's spirit is moving us to what good works we are supposed to live in. But there's this problem. There is this lack. There is this brokenness. There is this sin within us that blocks us from making it. And so now you need to go before God to worship. And as you're going, what about this? What about the junk? What about the the thoughts? What about the crud that I've done? What about the things that I'm dealing with? What about all this stuff that I know is not supposed to be in my life? What do I do with that? There is forgiveness with Him. There is mercy with Him in our time of need so that we can come before him and serve him, living our lives the way he has called us to live, that we can serve him with reverence and come before him. In verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. This idea of waiting. I hate waiting. I was at Starbucks this morning, and, and I don't know what happened, but it shouldn't have taken that long. There was only three cars, and it took 20 minutes. And I'm like, no, it doesn't take 20 minutes. I don't care what kind of coffee you get. It shouldn't take 20 minutes. And I didn't see like barrels of coffee coming out of the window. You know, It was just someone messed up the order. I just hate waiting. And we all hate that, right? You go in the doctor's office. What time is your appointment? Oh, it's at 11. What time do you see the doctor? At 1. And so for, you know, all those hours I'm waiting, you know, and they look at you and say, okay, everything looks good. See you later. You know, come back in two weeks. No! <laughs> Surgery, now! Do something! I've been here for hours. you got to do something. We hate the waiting, and, and that's not what's being presented here. When it says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being or my soul waits, this is the idea of, Waiting, remember connecting it to service, waiting to do. Going back to the Passover. When the Lord told them to go into their homes, told them to slaughter the lamb, to cook the lamb, to put the blood on the doorpost and on the side. And then they were supposed to wait. Wait till the angel of death passes over. But then they were supposed to move they were waiting for the opportunity to move. You see, deliverance was waiting. And when it came, they had to be ready. And the idea of waiting is that of watching and being prepared for when the opportunity comes. I'm waiting for the Lord. My soul waits for God. I'm not just sitting there saying, God, please, no. You see, there's already forgiveness, there's already mercy. So, what am I waiting for? I'm waiting on Him to be able to serve, to be able to do. The waiting on the Lord is watching for the moment when I can be engaged. And that's why I wait more than the watchman waits for the morning. That watchman watching in the night, seeing if anyone's going to come. I'm waiting for that time when the light shines. And now I can see clearly what needs to be done. I'm waiting because God is going to speak. I'm waiting because The opportunity to worship is going to happen. The opportunity where I can connect to God, I can hear from God, and I can move with God is right around the corner. Watch for it. Watch for it. Where is it? Wait. Wait. Waiting. It's like a distant scream in the other room. And so the idea of waiting isn't just sitting back, doing nothing. It's actually anticipating. It's in a preparation. It's on your mark, get set. Where's the gun? Because when the gun goes, I'm gone. I'm ready to move. And you see, this is the progression. We're coming to the Lord to worship Him, to connect with Him, to commune with Him. And we're crying out saying, God, have mercy on me. I need to be a different man, a different woman that I am. I need to be better. But I need your mercy to get there. And guess what? There's forgiveness with you. There's forgiveness so that I can come before you with reverence and serve you. And so I'm going to wait and I'm going to put my... Trust in your word. I will put my hope on in your word. What does that mean? It means he has forgiven. Trust that. We trust in what he has done. That's what we put our hope in. It's not in our ability. It's in him. You see, those who don't hope can't wait. If you have no hope that the line in Starbucks is going to move, you're not going to wait. I was almost there. But there was a car behind me. I was stuck. But if you have no hope, you're not going to wait. But if there is hope, hope for what? Hope for this communion. Hope for this relationship to actually develop and grow, actually move somewhere. Romans 8.25 says, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And so I'm waiting for that gun to go off so I can begin serving and doing and walking alongside in the things that God has called for me to do. And I'm going to wait more than the watchman waits for the morning. I'm going to be there. This is the depths of the desire that I have for God. In verse 7 he says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Why should we put our hope in the Lord? Because with Him there's forgiveness. Because with Him, there is mercy. And whether you realize it or not, you're going to need that forgiveness. You're going to need that mercy. You're going to need it someplace in your life. Karina and I have been married 29 years. I've needed a lot of mercy. Over those years, I've had to have that mercy from her from God we need that mercy and so our hope is in him we're waiting on him trusting in him because with the Lord is what unfailing love is that not what we desire is that not what we kind of want for our lives? Is unfailing love, a love that doesn't fail, a love that doesn't fall short, a love that doesn't betray, a love that can be trusted in, that is unfailing. And with Him is full redemption. The idea of full means it's complete. And redemption, the word redeem, is to to buy back. You see, with the Lord, he takes you back. He purchases you, purchases you completely. Takes full responsibility for your and my sin. That's what they remembered as they went to celebrate the passover that god's covered our lives with the blood of the lamb when we were in that home god brought deliverance to us as we put our trust in him and we're doing the same thing in christ i am covered by what he has done. His death has now covered my sin. And I get to now walk in the deliverance that he has set me free from. The sin and the things that defined who I was. I'm no longer defined by the worst of my life. I am now defined by his love, unfailing, and his mercy. That's what defines me. And there is forgiveness with him. And full redemption, I am purchased completely. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Turn to Psalm 136, as we're going to close here. You know, as I'm going through these psalms, I'm trying to pick out, Lord, which ones can I do that... And there's a few of them. I've got to do 139, because that's one of my favorites. But there's like 142 and 145. I like those two, and so... I'm throwing in 136 because I think it's it's important, especially tying in here to his unfailing love. And I want to read it with you here. It's a little repetitive, but you'll see why. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Now, if you're going to serve a God, if you're going to serve a Lord, what kind do you want? Do you want one that requires your being good enough? Do you want one that requires you to make the grade? Or do you want one whose love endures forever? You see, this is setting apart, and the purpose of this psalm is to declare who our God is compared to the rest of the gods that were out there and what our God has done. And it all revolves around this. His love endures forever. Verse four, to him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. So the creation itself, the wonders of it, are declaring that his love endures forever. Look what he has done. It is a sign of his love. And then he moves into a personal to the people of Israel, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. His love endures forever. Now, wait a second. Read that, who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, but his love endures forever. Doesn't that seem like a contrast to you? That's not very loving to strike down the firstborn of Egypt. How is that love enduring forever? Let's continue reading. We'll talk about that. And who brought Israel out from among them his love endures forever with a mighty hand and outstretched arm his love endures forever To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his armies into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance to a servant, Israel, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate, his love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies, his love endures forever. He gives food to every creature his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. The psalmist is declaring who God is and what God does. And the distinction that is made between Israel and that of Egypt is that God covered the sin. Of Israel that God dealt with it with the blood of the lamb that for God's love to be displayed there had to be the reception and obedience to what God has done and so the difference between Egypt and And Israel, or these kings and Israel, is that Israel was under the covenant that God had established, which was given by the blood, sacrificed in recognition of what God has done. You see, there is no forgiveness without blood in the Hebrew scripture. That sacrifice is a necessity, and the necessity is for us as well. You see, the reason there is forgiveness with him is because the penalty has been paid. The reason there was the covering for them is because the penalty, the blood, was shed. The reason we can now come with confidence before the throne of grace and find help in our time of need is because our debt has been purchased That's what redemption is. It has been bought back. And so our inadequacies, our sin, the things that don't measure up within us are not held to our account. They've been dealt with by the person of Christ. And that's why there is forgiveness with Him. And all those things that happen with the Passover beforehand were a foreshadow of what God was doing and what was going to be done. You see, we belonged to him, but we had to be bought back. And our souls know it. Our souls cry out for it. We know what's right, but we fail to do it and we are broken. But we bear the image of our creator that's like a whisper calling back and saying, where are you? How do I get back? How do I find grace? How do I find mercy? I go to the one who has paid for it. I go to the one who has given it. And now there is forgiveness indeed. And now who the sun sets free is free indeed. I have been purchased. I am not my own. I have been bought with the blood of of Jesus, I belong to God. Not because I am good enough, not because I know the right things, but because I put my hope and trust in Him, in His word, what He has done. And now I'm ready in this state of reverence to serve. You've done this for me, I'm going to wait. What can I do for you? Tell me when to go. Tell me where to go. I'm here for you. And so this psalm of ascent as they move to the temple is preparing them and their hearts with the understanding of all that is wrong in you has been dealt with. That the sacrifices given are enough hope and trust in those things because god has given you his word in this covenant and he will fulfill his part there is unfailing love with him he has extended his reach to you you can now come and find that forgiveness you can now come and be a part of this service you belong to the promise that hope that god has given to israel and that is available to us in the person of jesus let's pray Lord, I don't know how many times I used to lay in bed afraid. Afraid of dying. Afraid of what would happen to me. How many times I would think, I- I'm not enough. I- I'm not good enough. A- and my life was plagued with guilt and shame. And Lord you have spoken into this depth of my soul into the belly of this beast I was living in into the the depths of this whale and have heard my cry for help and the cry that I don't want to be, separated from you. And so you have made the way and you have removed my shame and given us worth and opportunity to be a part of your promises and have invited us to be a part of your work and service and so Lord I pray this morning that we would be a people that wait on you we wait to hear you speak we are listening for your voice and the good works that you would have us to do and those works Lord are plentiful there are Thousands and tens of thousands of things that we can do. But we're going to wait. We're going to listen. We're going to be grateful and know that we have a Father who has given us a love that is unfailing. Lord, we will put our hope and trust in what you have done, in your words, what you have said, Lord, we are grateful. And we come before you because there is forgiveness with you. And we thank you for that, Lord, for hearing the cry of our souls and answering it and satisfying the debt that was beyond our ability to pay. We are grateful. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.